Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbees, Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. with me, Dominic Frisbee. A reminder that you can subscribe to the show by clicking on the subscribe via email button on the left-hand side of your screen, and then every time I upload a new show, which is not on a regular basis, you'll receive an email telling you that I've done that, and that is the only email you'll receive. So, uh, welcome to today's show. I'm here at the Mines and Money Conference in London. Very exciting. One of the world's three biggest mining conferences, and sitting opposite me is one of the fund managers at Quilter Cheviot Investment Management. He's an old favourite of the show. He's a, an old, not only is he an old gold bug, he's an old silver bug. He is, of course, Ned Naylor Leyland. Ned, hello. Welcome to the show. Lovely to see you. Um, so how have you, have you been positioning the fund over the last couple of years? How have you managed the fund through this horrible market? Well, um, that's a good question, Dom. Not enormously differently. We've probably been a little more um, cautious about owning the leveraged players. We've had a lot more royalty stocks in the in the fund. Bearing in mind the fund that we run is thirty percent in physical, yeah, uh, and thirty percent in in large cap gold stocks. We've been, I mean, we've been hit actually in line with everyone else. It's quite interesting that our asset allocation model is quite different than everyone else because we have the 30% physical, but we also have 50% in silver. Yeah. So what we've held on to in terms of a holding bullion rather than miners, we've probably given back by being invested in silver I over see. gold. So in terms of the performance we've been... But that's similar, just the duty of the fund. You have to... That's right. It's a long-only fund which um, is designed to... Uh, operate as as a hedge against tail risk and an unconventional monetary policy because most people are fully invested in the current debt paradigm and uh, you know it's sensible in light of some of the structural problems that you and I have been talking about for 15 years or something uh, to have some exposure to that now obviously um, investors and uh, central bankers are in something of a of a bind at the moment, they're wedded together in this belief that that nothing is wrong and that all is well and that one can print and and there is no uh, effect to this. But um, I still believe it's entirely proper that you ought to have a percentage of your net worth invested um, against the head uh, as and when the market does lose confidence in this unconventional monetary policy. And it's been three years of the market feeling incredibly confident that there will be no um, effect to these policies, uh, then the the fund will run in a way that we would have anticipated it might have done before now. Okay, so let's talk about silver. What what what, what do you think about silver at the moment? Where's the low in silver going to be? Was it on Monday morning at fourteen twenty? Well, um, I, I I tend to speak to technical analysts who are specifically technical analysts and have no particular love or hate of the of the metals because mm-hmm. I think that's probably a helpful way to to go about this rather than being emotionally involved and funny enough they both agree that we we bottomed in both gold and silver I think silver is is very much the volatile cousin of gold and while 
yes, I think that's true. I think the more important chart and the more important question is whether gold has bottomed because silver will really move in sympathy. Um, but yes, it does look like that. Uh, I'm, I'm a little cautious because I think that we still need um, something to rock the confidence of the market in these, in these unconventional policies before we see a real step change. But the technical analysts I speak to look very confident. They don't like the look of, of other markets and other asset classes at all on a technical basis, and they do like the look of, of gold and silver. So I, I think there's reason to be pretty, pretty, pretty confident at the moment relative to where we've been. Um, a lot of gold and silver bugs were... Uh, myself included, were, you know, worried about, you know, you hear them talking about a hyperinflationary event wiping out people's net worth. Uh, when we were speaking on the panel earlier today, there was a lady from Bulgaria saying she'd lived through a hyperinflation in, in Bulgaria and seen what it'd done to her parents' uh, wealth. Um, I put it to you that gold and silver bugs have experienced their worst dream uh, only in the opposite, in that all their options on gold and silver, a.k.a. their junior mining stocks, have wiped them out in much the same way that a hyperinflationary event would have done. What do you think about that rather nasty comment? <laughs> well, I think, that that's a, um, I think that that's a frisbee comment, <laughs> if I'm completely honest. I don't think you really believe that either, but I, I take the point. I'm sure that's, that's been the experience, and it's been the experience because of what I said to you earlier, which is that that's the, that's the, the whippy end of the market's confidence in central bankers. Um, is it the reverse of, of hyperinflation? No, because hyperinflation is an all-consuming monetary event, whereas yeah. unless you're 100% invested in one small junior mining stock... Um, or several. Or several. But many people were un, under the mistaken belief that uh, a, 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 a plot of land staked somewhere uh, with potentially some mineable gold uh, was somehow a leveraged play on central banking stupidity. And that was the, that was the kind of meme that was put about. And yeah, it's, I agree. And, agree. and I think it, had the market um, not been so confident that um, the wizards, as they actually now openly describe themselves, by the way, and describing it as black magic, I mean, even some of the central banks have said that. Yeah. Um, you know, if the market wasn't so relaxed about that, that could actually have happened. So I, I think it's, it wants to be slightly diluted in one sort of uh, ruthless um, leg chopping on this one. I, I, I still think that, that is, there is some truth in that. And the other thing about gold and silver stocks is they, they rarely die, they just keep diluting. Um, there, have been a few, <laughs> there have been a few which have gone bust, but, um, but ultimately I still do think they offer a lot of leverage, but I think one needs to be thinking about it relative to one's net worth pie chart. So if you are invested in property, if you're invested in other sectors and asset classes which are supported by the current presumed OK debt paradigm, which you and I both uh, would query, um, that, 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 that you know, a junior mining share represents the most spicy and, and leveraged component of your hedge. Do I think they still offer that? Yes, I do. Absolutely do. And I think there will come a point when some capital will come into the sector. And I think some of those stocks will do very well. Um, some of them were, were not... Um, what they purported to be and as is often the case in all sorts of sectors you know that 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 can happen but i think that so long as the the your your overall weightings are, are correct i don't see that um as being invalidated dom okay well answered um let's talk some positives you were telling me some numbers about um the shanghai gold exchange before the interview why don't we talk through some of that okay so so earlier i was talking about how um in 2008 uh, we went about a process of, of QE and, 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 pr and printing money in order to create a, even more debt in order to uh, stave off insolvency. Um, 
it's also true that the, the Chinese at that point turned around and accused the US, specifically being its, its um, greatest destination, of, of debt monetization. Now, the Americans didn't seem too, too fussed by that and sort of looked at them and went, so what? Uh, but the Chinese then went and embarked on a process of gold market liberalization, which is twofold. The first one we know about and the second we don't, but potentially could be very exciting, which is for, for people who invest in the sector, which is when the, the Chinese announced the re-rating of their sovereign reserves, which are clearly a lot higher than is known in the market. But what we were talking about was the retail side. So in, in 2008, it was illegal to buy gold in China. Of course, you could do it under the table, but it was um, not allowed. And the Chinese went about saying, that, OK, we need to liberalise our entire gold market. We need to we need to, to, to stack reserves at the central bank level as well, but we also need to get gold into the public's hands as a hedge against a potential monetary and debt problem in the West. So there were none in 2008, and the World Gold Council this year announced that there are over 100,000 bullion shops in China, which is quite a remarkable number yeah. uh, from zero. Yeah. Now, I would argue that's clearly a state-based program. You don't go from naught to 100,000 purely... Um, because gold is wonderful, Asians love gold. And there is also evidence that they are... Did we have a, uh, 100,000 We Buy Any Gold uh, shops in the West, where, at the top of the bull market? You remember all those We Buy... I do, I do. But remember, what are they telling you to do? Sell your gold. Yes. Yeah. OK, but OK, well, fair enough, fair enough. Well, fair enough. that's the exact inverse, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, OK. They were enough. telling you to sell your gold, yeah, whereas yeah, the yeah. Chinese are telling you to buy gold. It's a completely different thing. And look, you know... But do you have any proof that it's a state-sponsored thing? I mean, what I'm questioning is, is that the mar- if the market was there for it... Well, I, I, OK, so, so do I have, have evidence that the state are rolling out bullion shots across China? Absolutely, because the Beijing Gold Exchange is controlled by the state and the, all the, the jewellery and bullion shops are affiliated to the Beijing okay. Gold Exchange, so yes. But I think the more interesting number, which we discussed earlier, was this, this, this raw consumption or withdrawal number in Shanghai, where we're seeing the quite incredible number of uh, around 50,000 one-kilo bars being withdrawn by the wholesale, i.e. the, the jewellery and the retail market each week. Now, that number represents total global mine supply. So every ounce that is mined every week is reappearing in one kilo bar form and being withdrawn by the Chinese consumer. And when you think about it... 50,000 kilos? Yeah. And I've, I have annual glo- global consumption at, at uh, 3,000 tonnes. I, I don't know what tonnes to kilos. Yeah, well, it's, it's effectively 50 tonnes a week is, the, is broadly the number we're looking at here. That's that sort of... The 50 sort of, tonnes a week? Yeah. Ah, so and, so and and global production is fifty tons a week. Yeah. I see, I see. So Sorry. it's matching global production. Yeah. So what you're seeing here is is the thing about the gold market is it's it's a big block. If you think about a big cube of gold uh, and and add that and, and put a hundred on top of it, and then a very small cube of gold which has got two on it, relative to the hundred. Yeah. The, the hundred is the stock, and the, and the two is the, is the flow, which is the production. Now we we've just described that the two is actually being withdrawn in one venue alone. And we know there's substantial more demand than that. Yeah. So, of course, that puts pressure on the stock. And seeing as we know the stock is also at least 92 times uh, levered in in the paper market, as per the Reserve Bank of India's own data, um, that means that because this two is being withdrawn, that's putting pressure on on the 100. Exactly where the elastic band snaps pertaining to that, that problem. Obviously, if we knew that, we wouldn't be standing here. No. But, but there's clear evidence that um, the, the withdrawals are growing, that central banks in Asia are continuing to, to consume, and that there is, are shortages 
within the West. I mean, it was, only, it was a year ago that Ken Hoffman from Bloomberg went round the vaults in London and put, said on Bloomberg TV, and he's the chief commodities reporter for Bloomberg, he said, uh, I went round the vaults and they're completely empty. He says, I went round them a year ago and they were full and they're now completely empty. I, which I saw vaults? his colleague in London, he just went round, I don't know, he didn't specify HSBCs. which. HSBCs? Presumably. He didn't specify which, but he said, I was in there a year ago and they were, they, were, they were head high, was what he said. They're now empty and that was a year ago. So I saw his colleague today and I said, it'd be, be interesting to have an update. Could you please send Ken round for a... I'm going to ask my mates at HSBC. They go round there sometimes. I'll ask him next time he's been round there what, what he saw. I'll ask them why they don't pallet and why they don't um, you know, custody the gold in what one would consider to be a proper way. Because that's I'm not going to ask him that because he's not going to tell me the answer. He'll, be, he'll tell me what he saw in the gold vaults. Uh, the, you, you've got to be... Uh, um, so, but the interesting... The, the, the takeaway stat from that last snippet of conversation is that the Chinese consumer is effectively buying all newly mined gold. That's right. Okay. The, the issue, I mean, that would be a huge issue uh, were this copper or oil or something like that because of the fact that those metals get consumed. The, the, the difference with gold, of course, is that uh, it has never been consumed. So how long can that situation go, go on for? I, I, I guess you've already said that that's the unanswerable million-dollar question. Well, of course it is, but I think it also you've got to remember that... Um Funny, when we were on the panel earlier, there was there was chat about the futures market. I think Ross Norman mentioned, oh, the futures market, you know, is created. It creates, you know, flow in both directions. It adds speculative yeah. fervor. But what you failed to point out is the fact that that's actually a tiny part. What's really interesting is the is the FX uh, cross market. That's where ninety percent of the trading is done. The futures market is is a whippy little tail. But you you know you the the bigger part of the market, which is unallocated and unbacked, is the FX cross market, where you go long. Uh, dollars against XAU or or Swiss francs or whatever it is. That's that's where the the real trading is done. That's where the huge volumes of trade are done on an unallocated basis. And even people who've been fairly unsympathetic um, towards the cause of of uh, sound money and, and 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 being a gold bug have said on the record that yes, they would agree that there was a problem in the unallocated market because people don't understand what they're doing. They, they, they perceive there to be more gold behind those transactions than actually exists. But as for when it, when it will change, I personally think it will change exactly the same way it changed uh, after the end of the London gold pool. In other words, it will change because of arbitrage. It will change because the, the, the opportunity to make money for those who are totally uninterested in gold will be too uh, great for them to resist. So we're already in a situation where you can sell spot silver today, take delivery in two months, and book 0.75% for, for two months. And no one's taking that. Now, that's incredible. And considering the low interest rate environment we're in and the difficulty in generating yield, this is supposedly a risk-free yeah. two-month trade for three-quarters of 1% and no one's taking it. I don't think that's enough to break the market. But I think there comes a point where that problem becomes so wide that people who have no interest in gold, hedge funds and the like, will see an opportunity effectively blood in the water, and they will say, thank you very much, I think we need to have a little look at this. And okay. that's when I think we'll reach a tipping point. Because it's very simple. And they'll what lever happened. that trade, presumably. Uh, they'll find a way of levering Well, it. I think they'll probably, what they're, if they were sensible, what they would do is buy a whole load of physical first, and then they'll try and, 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 and force delivery on it. Because if they fail, the physical they've already bought will yeah. benefit hugely from the process of trying to force delivery. But it is very similar, because at the end of the, the, the gold pool in, in, in 1970, after a process of 10 years of dumping, what really happened was a bunch of, of, of posh bankers in London uh, 
saw the 35 dollars an ounce here and the 45 that was being paid in Asia and just said this is crazy we're just gonna we're just gonna move it all over there yeah and that was really what caused um, the US to default on its debt and the end of the the final relationship between money and gold it was an, it was an arbitrage opportunity and that's why I see that as likely mm-hmm. to be the same thing this time around um just coming back to this Chinese consumer we know that 25 percent of the gold ETF holdings have been sold off since uh, uh, over the last just under two years and we know that most of it has been exported from London to Switzerland where it's been re-refined in Asian friendly bar form and exported to Asia so some of that huge Asian demand has been sated in that way what are the other possible ways that Asian demand, I mean is it possible that as the price falls Asian demand will fall well the Uh, evidence is the opposite as it goes down the, the withdrawals go up rather than the other way around Okay, I mean, because I remember after the sell-off in when gold went through fifteen hundred in April, twenty thirteen, there was a huge rush to buy physical in Asia, mm. and but a lot of physical buying was actually brought forward, mm-hmm. and my understanding is that physical buying has actually diminished there, and you're shaking your head with a very definite no. True, and then there was a a, a period there where the market, I think, was trying to find a base, and and the consumption at the Shanghai Gold Exchange was was gearing up. So yes, there was a rush. And then there was a period where it was building. And then over the last year and a half since then, you've just seen a progressive growth in withdrawals. And in the last year or so, every time we dip below 1,200, the withdrawals are going up, not down. Um, And also, as you've seen, um, Asian central bank buying has been fairly price uh, insensitive. It doesn't seem to be uh, in terms of central bank level. Yeah, that was one of the funny things uh, I met when I, I went to do a talk in Kuala Lumpur earlier in the year and on the flight back I had, um, there were a load of um, Malaysian, I want to say doctors, but I think they were actually surgeons going out to a heart surgeon conference in Barcelona. So they were, you know, educated, uh, moneyed Malaysians and I was sat next to a gent and uh, I started asking him about gold and I put forward my theory that in the same way that in the West, we used gold a lot on a daily basis 100 years ago, and gradually over the past 100 years, it's faded from existence. And might the same thing happen in Asia? And he was adamant that it wouldn't uh, because he, he just, he just kind of going, Asians don't care. We just buy gold. We just want gold. We just have gold. And I'm going, what do you do with it? And I put it in the safe. And he was just adamant, that, and they don't care what price they pay. Yeah, you know, I those think, kind of things. I think that's to do with what we discussed earlier off, yeah. off, off air, which is that the, the, the Asians have a searing distrust of government in a way that we, we don't. You know, we, we're quite supine towards central banks and, and the government. Whereas over there, they, they, they recognise that, you know, while they may be beholden to the government, the idea that they are um, full of wisdom and, and, and brilliant and can, and can custody um, monetary value in a sensible way is just totally different than, than it is for us. We, we have some rather bizarre idea that we're not having our purchasing power inflated away. Um, I don't know why that is, yeah. but it's well embedded in our psyche, and it, partly because it was 71. It's, there are very few people who have a memory of what it used to be like. There are loads there. of people who still believe that the pound is redeemable for gold. I know, including a high-level barrister I and, met the other day. And, a, and I was going to say a high-level accountant I met. Yeah, yeah. they actually think that. I, know. I, 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 was, I, literally, I, didn't, I couldn't say anything for about five seconds. I was looking, thinking, is that really... And in fact, in fact, he said something even better, which is he said to me this chat, he said that QE was backed by gold. Where did he get that from? Well, there you go. That's lawyers for you. 
You know the word lawyer has its roots, people think it has its roots in, a, in the Latin, but it has, it's actually an Irish word from the Irish liar. So, uh, <laughs> um, so um, moving on, Ed, uh, Ned, this is my, uh, one of our favourite subjects, the London property market. What, 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 what is your view on that asylum of injustice? Well, look, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's the national fancy, isn't it? Um, personally, you know, I, I, I fear that with interest rates where they are um, and with... I mean, look, I think if there's more QE, the property market probably be all right. But I think in, in terms of this deflationary environment that we appear to be entering, it's pretty spicy. I, I would be pretty worried about it if I was very overly invested in, in property. The reason, the thing about property, people always say, oh, it's bricks and mortar, it'll always be there. But you've got to remember that that you're beholden on everyone else's debt. You know, that's the thing that yeah. worries me about it. It's not so much, you, you, you may have a lovely house and enjoy it, and of course that means that it has value beyond anything you can express, rather like you said about holding a gold coin. You know, you, it's not just an investment. But I think that the, what I always say to people is, if you strip search the people on your street for, for debt versus, you know, true, true assets, how would that look? pertaining to that property value and the banking system and, and probably it wouldn't look as good as you might imagine it would yeah i'm not saying this will happen but attitudes change in a bear market when you own an asset that is falling in value rather than appreciating in value your attitude to that asset look at dominic frisbee's attitude towards mining companies you know that attitude changes and you start even you know you stop looking after it you stop spending money on that on it and you just think i hate you know you want to get out it becomes a burden rather than a joy and all this so that that is stuff that can all change psychologically if the bear market gets really nasty i don't London looks decidedly dodgy to me at the moment, and I say this as somebody who's called the property market awfully. Mm. I mean, I've made some disastrous decisions based on wrong calls on the property market, and and you should just judge a house on its own merits rather than on the making a macro market call. But that said, London property looks really dodgy. I can give you a primary... Actually, now, as you asked me the question, I completely forgot to make this point. Yes, I can give you some primary evidence of this, which is um, I moved during this year from one rental property to the other because like you yeah. I've been very sceptical about everyone's belief in the debt-based system um, but what was amazing to me was that that above the 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 sort of the median renter so anything that's remotely aspirational in terms of renting the market's been eviscerated in the last 12 months it's extraordinary I mean I'm talking 30% drops in London of, of, of rental rental so in other amounts. words if you want to rent Rather than a basic property, a quality property. You can, you can pay 30% less than you would have paid a year ago. Wow. And what's more is the landlords of those properties, just as you just said, uh, won't spend a penny on the properties because of their, they're annoyed, which yeah. again you said, yes, they're irritated by this. So in other words, the agent goes, oh, you know, you wanted X. Well, I've got X minus 30% for you. And they go, sorry, did you just actually say that down the phone? And so when people do go and have a look at it not only are they offering less they're saying yeah but you need to get rid of the damp you need to do this that and the other and nothing's happened there's a real there's no doubt there's a big problem there however that has led to a lot of people trading lower in rentals yeah partly because they're being squeezed so they have to mm -hmm. but that does mean that i think that there's there's more solidity in the, in the lower end of the market because of the fact people have been trading down yeah. into it so i think that it's 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 evolving somewhat in that way yeah um it's interesting the I've just thought of something, you made me think of something else there, but the with London property, the first thing is Foxton's. Obviously, I don't know if you follow Foxton's, but it was £4 in April, it's now £1.50. 
you know, that's a big fall. And so the market is saying something. And Foxton's, a lot of it came, you know, Foxton's IPO'd at 2.30. So every single person that's bought a Foxton share is underwater on their investment. That's, but that's just one company. But, you know, on the one hand, borrowers have got MMR and various other um, measures of their of affordability. So lending is much tighter. And then on the other hand, you've got sellers who think their property is worth X amount and they are holding out for that amount and they are not forced sellers. That's true. Uh, because their mortgages and their debt is extremely cheap. So you've just got as a result of government policy, this incredibly atrophied market where buyers can't afford or won't pay the high prices and sellers won't drop their prices. And, 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 and it's, it plays into gold as well, Don, because it, it, it's, it's what people perceive to be their hedge. And I, and I know this yeah. because I suppose somebody's extremely wealthy, very financially sophisticated, but yeah. doesn't understand gold at all. And I said to him, what percentage of your net worth pie chart do you have in, in gold as a hedge? And he went, he went, nothing. So I said to him, okay, that's fine. I, I thought you would say that, but... So what do you have? Because you accept that the financial architecture is, is a bit rocky. Yeah. And he, he said, yes, so I, even I would admit that. So I said, so what is your hedge? And he goes, residential property. So I looked at him, and, I, and you can imagine my face as I'm yeah. going, so the world's least liquid asset class in a crisis is what you're holding as a hedge. When what you, what you need is liquidity in that environment, you want to hold the least liquid investment class. Yeah. And it was a moment where he looked at me and I could see the penny had slightly dropped, but he didn't like it. And so he just looked at me and went, don't give me that gold bug look. Um, and I think there's a really important point here put, because people is. believe, people are, are very much holding that as their hedge. That is what the way people But London property was the best asset coming out of the financial crisis, better than gold. If you factor in the... the um, but from 2008, gold was fantastic. Oh, 2008 mean, yeah. to 2011. But that's not the hedge, is it? That's 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 running it back. But up you, again. We, we all thought London property would sink with every, with other financial assets, but it didn't. So it, it acted as a hedge. Yeah, but during the teeth of the crisis, it did. It, you know, if you tried to sell. A house yeah, but during, during the teeth the crisis, of the crisis, gold fell from from. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, absolutely right. It did. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but the reason for that is different, as you know, which is to do with the way it's traded and, and who yeah. owned it and stuff. I mean, is that, that, that is a very good point, but it's, it's also not quite dealing with the realities of it. Um, I just make the point that if things go wrong, the issue is liquidity. Yeah. And, and, and property is not liquid. No. Particularly in that environment. Fair enough. Um, we need the 1947 Planning Act. Uh, repealed, but that is a conversation for okay. another day. You say so, <laughs> Ned. It's been a real pleasure. If people want to find out more about your work and so on and so forth, how do they do that? Well, um, they can contact me um, at Quilt Achieviot or follow me on on, on Twitter at Ned and L. Um, and and uh, no doubt, you know, I'll be proffering my my thoughts over the next twelve months. Very good, what, Ned N L on Twitter. Great stuff, Ned Naylor Leyland. Thanks very much. Thanks, Bob. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes. 